This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We are on understanding and embracing the gift of pastor. And again, my subtitle was do not or don't cast away the power of God in your life. Uh, that's so crucial. I mean, if you don't understand that the pastor is the mighty working power of God in your life, you will cast that away, and I promise you, you will not be what God has called you to be because you don't have the direction needed. The shepherd is put there for a reason. So we went to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to do a quick review as quickly as I can, but I do want to read the scripture again. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to start at, I meant to hit verse 7 this morning too, so I'm going to start at verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he says, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the, in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of fullness, <clears throat> sorry, of the fullness of Christ. And I meant to stop at 12. And so we, we said that when, when Christ came, when, I'm sorry, he led captivity captive and then he gave gifts unto man. And one of those gifts is the gift of pastor. And we said, we, we distinguish between, you know, men's ideas on gifts and what God says the gifts are. And we said that God has every one of us specifically in mind for the gifts that he's given to us. He thinks of every one of us as that special individual. because and, and, and his gifts are always beneficial because they're, they're eternal gifts. They're to deal with your eternal, your eternity. And his gifts, they come from covenant. We said the covenant is a promise. And God made a promise himself to restore us in their proper, proper fellowship with him. And out of that promise, out of those promises spring forth these gifts. Those, those gifts are there to, 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 to undergird his promises. To make sure that you, that you get to walk into full fruition of those promises. And I said his gifts are living demonstrations of his continual power. And they should be living demonstrations of his continual power in your life. When I say that, I mean when you receive a word from your pastor... When you apply it, I guarantee you it's going to be life-changing. He's gifted them to change your lives, to direct your lives. But it has to be received. And then I also said that the gifts and the callings of God are, are without repentance. He doesn't make any mistakes. He doesn't, ask for, he doesn't say, I need to take that gift back, that calling back from you. That's not how God operates. He knows what he's doing. So we have to figure out how he did this. How did he accomplish giving us gifts, giving us the gift of pastor? And we saw that in Ephesians, it was the working of his mighty power. So what I wanted you to understand is that the church in its order, and our pastor, is the working of his mighty power. It's the working of his mighty power in your life. And for you to not appreciate, accept, and embrace, and understand that office and that role, and the person in that office, is to discard God's power in your life. We, that, we're getting understanding. I didn't, under, I didn't know that. Well, you know today. You're getting understanding today. Walk forward in that. Now you're responsible for that information. And let me tell you something. This is nothing new I'm saying. So you've been responsible for that information. So again, we're getting into the understanding and we're going to review this real quickly. We said, what is pastor? And again, we said pastor is the overseer. He's a servant, a laborer, the caretaker, a steward of the flock, a shepherd, an under-shepherd under the shepherd, who's been given and graced and called by God. And then we looked at the shepherd naturally so we could see what the shepherd does. And we said the role and duty of the shepherd was, for one, we said they grazed the animal. And I said, of course, when I looked at that word grazing, it didn't say he fed them. It said they take them to the area and the animals ate. Okay, so they take them to the land of plenty. And you eat. And we feed them with the word. And I went through some things from, from this past year. We're not going to go over again for, the time, uh, for time's sake. But that is, another another, uh, that is a function of the pastor, a duty of the pastor. The second thing we went to, we said, is that they herd the sheep of safe, from, uh, to safe areas good, for good, healthy nourishment and drink. From pasture to pasture. And we said from that pasture to pasture meant from faith to faith. From revelation to revelation in your life. You're led to that by your pastor. 
you know, a lot of people think they can just get saved and, and I can walk this walk with myself. The reason you, 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 never get to, you never get to live the life of victory that God wants you to walk is because you don't have no direction. It's the, it's the shepherd that leads you from faith to faith. Okay? You have to follow the shepherd as they follow the shepherd. They're there to direct you. He, this, this thing right here in the hands of a fool... And let me tell you, one without a spiritual leader, without a, without a shepherd, is a fool. That's plain and simple. There's no way you're going to get to understand. That's not God's method. I, let, me, let me clear it up for you. It's like a child without a father and a mother. Because that's God's method. That's how you pass it on. That's why Abraham is our father in the faith, because God knew he was going to pass it on. So... A believer without a, without a, without a spiritual, without a shepherd, is a fool. <laughs> so again, we said that they, they lead us to safe areas of good, healthy nourishment. I said this alludes to the time spent on our behalf, at God's feet, at His table, learning for us so that they know where to lead and direct us. And I said, I like to call this preparing the way for the flock, or guiding the flock. And that's another one. And we said that they guide them to the, we, they guide them to the one and only true gate, the straight gate, the narrow gate. That is the job of the shepherd. And then the number three, and I'm going through this review kind of quickly because we have a lot of things to do. So if you did miss this morning, I encourage you. to. If you've missed any this month, I encourage you to go listen to everything. Because I'm going to tell you, my study time in this was all on all the teaching that was going on this month anyway. So if you've missed any of the messages this month, you have to go listen to them. Or you're not trying to accept and you're not trying to receive and understand and embrace the gift of pastor. So we went to number three. Another role and duty of the shepherd is to keep, uh, keep an eye out for predators and poisonous plants as well. So make sure they're eating the right food, getting the right diet. And I said, when I started to look at these things, the tools of the shepherd came up. And the tools that came up were the rod and the staff of the shepherd. And I, one of my favorite scriptures, so I have to read it again. Let's go to Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And these are the tools that came up when I was researching the shepherd, the rod and the staff. So I said the rod, it was a club that a shepherd had carved from the root of a tree and it was fitted to his hand. And the shepherd keeps the rod with him at all times and he uses it as a weapon. He uses it as a weapon to, de- to defend off the wild animals, the wolves, the snakes, anything that would threaten the flock, anything that would threaten the sheep. The, she- the shepherd would take this and take aim at those things to drive it off, make sure that they don't come back. And I said that the rod represents the shepherd's discipline to authority. I said no matter, our <clears throat> no matter what our shepherd wants to do personally, she is first and foremost submitted to the authority and, and the lordship of Christ. That's what gives her the authority. She's submitted to the authority. He's delegated the authority to her. That's what gives her the authority to use the rod of correction. Uh, and remember what I told you about the rod and the staff. They comfort you. They're there for a comfort. And so I also said that let me see here, I'm sorry. I lost my place in my notes. Yes. I said we have to grab a hold of discipline. Because it comes from a place of love and a place of protection. We have to remember that our pastor is a steward of the flock. This is not her flock. This flock belongs, this, we are the flock under, under Christ. He's coming back for it and she has to be a steward of the flock. She, she's spending her time... She is, she is, she's pruning, she's pruning the leaves, she's, she's keeping it right. So when he comes back for his bride, it's without spot or blemish, without blame. That's what she's doing. That's the, that's the role of the shepherd. Because that's who has to answer for the souls. What have you been teaching? Because I've set it up that with the teaching of the shepherd, they should be safe. They should be led to the right way. Oh, and she realizes that. She recognized that. It's, it's not an easy game. We're talking about lives. God, God is not playing a game with lives, so he knows who he calls. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Then we went to the staff. And I said, usually, 
the staff had the hook on it. And I gave the reference to the, the, show, the show time at the Apollo, how they would, if you ain't doing what was right, that, little, that staff will pull you on out of there, but it's for your own good. <laughs> I think of that. It's for their own good when they're up there looking real silly and thinking they're doing it. It's for your own good. Get on, get on over here. But those who, there's plenty of those who think they can do it, you know, their own way. They can be led astray by other sheep. They can, they're walking, not paying attention, and, and eating up the good of the land and about to fall off the cliff. Then the shepherd's like, come here. I got you. And it may be a tight, it may be a snug pool, but it's out of love. It's for your safety. They're looking out for your soul. It's all about the, the working of his mighty power. Uh, so that means you have to accept discipline. If you don't accept dis- discipline, you'll never see the comfort in it. If you don't receive it, you'll never see the comfort in it because all you're going to see is, oh, they disciplined me, I don't want to hear it. Now this, all you're going to have is anger. Have you ever received the discipline and then tried walking into it? Then check the results, then let me hear your response. You have to receive the discipline to see the comfort in it. Not always be like, nope, that's not me. You'll never change. That's the sheep gone astray. Non-stop work for the pastor. A servant of the flock. Those tools themselves speak that the pastor is a servant of the flock. Because let me tell you something. A sheep jumping off the, off a, a grown sheep jumping off a cliff, you having to catch him with a hook, that's not, that's not no easy work to pull him back. Got to be built for this. Got to be graced by God to, to be a pastor. And then we said that a pastor is a servant. First and foremost, a servant starts off as a follower. Uh, and they remain a servant for the rest of their life, though. <laughs> so I, re- I refer to Joshua being a servant, to, a minister to Moses. He followed him all the days of his life. And then he was promoted to shepherd. But it's because he proved himself faithful. Faithful to the vision that, Moses had, that was given to Moses. Followed him faithfully. Made sure that that vision was going to get, was going to get seen. I think about when he, when, when he sent them out to survey the land, all the ones that came out with the bad report. But not Joshua. I, 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 I'm, I'm 100% behind you, behind you and your vision. That's, that's the way she was the pastor here, our founding pastor here. And that's how God will choose who's going to shepherd his flock. It's not going to come from the heart of anything else. One willing to contribute to somebody else's ministry, somebody else's vision, wholeheartedly. God can use that person, especially if it's God's. It's God's work. God's, God can use that person. Fully committed to the ministry, even if it doesn't have anything to do with what I think should be, uh, because I haven't been placed in that position. Fully committed. Found a faithful steward before she became a steward of a flock. God, you have to be a faithful steward before he gives you... He's not just going to put that... It's not going to plop in your hands like that. It doesn't work like that. God is no fool. I said, to be a a faithful steward, you have to be found accountable. And I said, accountability then is the ability to accept responsibility of stewardship. Being the steward of the flock, being a shepherd, it sounds nice, but there's a big responsibility that comes with that. Like I said, she's watching out for souls now. Uh, eternal things. She's responsible for eternal... She's responsible for covenant promises. Making sure you understand those promises. You know, like, like her being a gift, undergirding the promises... That's the role of the pastor. Faithful. Accepting the fact that her life is not her own. Truly accepting that fact. Every movement she makes is for the flock. Not trying to look great in the eyes of men. Like I said earlier this, this morning, greatness belongs to the Lord alone. And the pastor knows that. I'm just here to serve. Yes, look to, look to me at the, in this manner. This person is nothing but a servant. 
Because that's what I need to learn, to serve and obey. That's it. That's what a sheep does. If you want to stay protected. And then I said lastly, we're making good time. I said lastly that the pastor is to train others for the vision of the ministry. And we know that our, the vision of this ministry, we know it's upward, inward, and outward to restore this generation. And we've seen it throughout this past year, the training of those. I, I'm thinking to myself, just in this past year, for example, tonight after this service, we have a meeting with the panel for the, the next-gen service. I forget how many of them it is, six, seven, eight of us, just training. That's all it is. We're talking about the Word. And that's all it is. And that's something that's been put in place this year. Oh, that's training. We're just sitting around and we're talking about the Word. Concerned with the souls. So we're going to go ahead and get into some of this new information. And I said we were talking about, you know, understanding and embracing it. Tonight we're going to get an embracing. What does it mean to embrace this, our pastor? The office of pastor and the person in that office. So what does embrace mean? It's very simple. I'm not going to get a big, long definition. It's very simple in this context. Embrace means to receive. We're talking about receiving the gift of pastor. Receiving God's work of his mighty power in your life. Very simple. We're not going to get complex on it. We're talking about receiving it. Another simple answer. How do we receive? This is the short answer. How do we receive the power of God? By being his sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And when you hear his voice, obey. And his voice is going to come through the pastor. A sheep, a sheep entrusts his life to the hands of the good shepherd by entrusting themselves to the under-shepherd. That's showing how you trust God. Because his gifts and callings are without repentance. So if you trust him, trust your hands to the under-shepherd. Trust your life to their hands. Why is it so difficult to do that? It's one thing one thing that's making it so difficult, and hopefully you've, you've been able to work this out this past month, but you've got to mix the word with faith. It's real simple. That, that's why it's been such a big deal. We've been talking about faith a lot, mixing the word with faith. It's so simple. You have to mix it with faith. Faith will light a fire under your butt. Faith to get you moving. If you're still sitting, you don't have that fire under your butt. Uh, check your faith. It's faith. It's always been faith. When you say you've embraced your pastor, when I said it's receiving, it, embracing comes with fruit as well. You could say one thing, but embracing comes with fruit. Like I said, faith will light, faith will light a fire under your butt. Faith won't let you be still. Amen. This goes back to our founding pastor. Faith won't let you be still. Faith will light a fire under your butt. This will be the same thing for when I, when I get put in that office. Faith will put a fire under your butt. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, deal with your lack of faith, no matter who's in that office. Because you'll never be able to do anything for God without your faith. A lot of people saying they've embraced pastor, but they're lacking the fruit. So again, there's several areas we're going to try to touch on tonight that the guys, guys have been dealing with me about, about our congregation 
And I know it'll help out the ones it needs to, because they came back tonight to hear. So I know it will. And let me say this before we, we start diving into these things. This season, or this dispensation for CLW, it's the time for spiritual maturity. It's time to be mature about the things we hear, about who we're receiving from, who we're hearing from. It's time to be mature. Maturity is needed for wall building. Some of the, the lack of immaturity, some of that was okay when the foundation was being laid. That's what the foundation was being laid for, to deal with your lack of maturity. But for wall building, maturity is needed. It's time to be spiritually mature. It's time to get off some of the milk for a lot of us. Time to stop being put over the shoulder and burnt. Time to get on some spiritual meat. So we can start building. You have to be strong to build. Which means you need meat. <laughs> it's no longer just trying to nurse you along in your beginning stages of your walk with Christ. No longer are we swaddling you up. And it's time to be sheep. That's the only that if we're going to restore the generation, it's time for maturity. It's time for meat. How are we going to restore the, the generation if we still on milk? If we still the babies? It takes the mature people to establish the church. It's going to take a mature people to establish Church of the Living Water. You have to push through some of your own personal barriers. With this change in pastor and, and, and that we had in this ministry, the, the immaturity has been exposed. It really is. And I just laugh, but it's been exposed. So let's get into some of these issues we need to deal with. Let's address these issues so we make sure we don't cast off the working of God's mighty power in our life. So number one is honor. This is how you begin to embrace your pastor. Honor. Let's turn to First Timothy. First Timothy chapter five. <clears throat> and I'm going to read verse 17 through 19. And it says, "Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, "Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn." And the laborer is worthy of his reward. Again, an elder receive not an, an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. I'm sorry, I wanted to stop at 18. Worthy of double honor. So what is honor? It's to revere and respect. To treat with high esteem and submission. And perform relative duties to. That means give honor to whom honor is due. To whom honor is due. Listen, the office already, the office of pastor, there's all, honor is forever due to that office. Because that's the working of his mighty power. So as soon as Pastor Albert Hill stepped in that office, honor is due. You don't have to wait until you see something that she's said honor is due. Because this goes back to what I said. She's been a faithful servant well before, well before she stepped into that, honor, that, that office. Honor was due before then. That's why God's placed her in that office, because honor is due. She's a faithful servant. Honor is due. I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 2, because we're going to look at Elisha here. 
Now Elisha became the attendant and disciple of Elijah. And he first shows in the Bible when the command was given to Elijah to anoint him as his successor. During the years of their time together, the Bible shows us is well, what the Bible shows is that Elijah was connected with them for a while, all the way up to the time of his death. Now it doesn't say the specific amount of time, but if you try to do some of the math, you can see it's probably close to between ten to fifteen years that they were together. I'd say maybe ten to twelve years. If you do the math, if you see what they traveled to together and read it, let me get to Second Kings too while I'm talking. I said, hopefully everybody else is there already. Second Kings. I said Second Kings chapter two. But he was connected with them all the way up to the time of his death. And from what we're about to read, you will see his honor for his teaching. And I am likening our pastor Alva Hill to Elisha right now, just so y'all know. Chapter 2, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 15, maybe. We'll see. Here we go. And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. That statement right there is just so awesome to me. Let's keep reading. I don't, I don't have time. As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray, I pray thee here, for the Lord that sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. A faithful story. And, and, and they went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they stood by Jordan, and Elijah took his mantle, and wrapped it together, and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so, they, so that they, went, they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless... If thou see me when I am taken when I am taken from thee, it will be it shall be so unto thee, and if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on, they talked that they talked that behold there appeared a chariot of fire, and the horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more. And he took a hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, they said The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Now, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So, such a, such, such a powerful statement. And I could go a lot of places with this scripture, but I'm going to go there for now. Such a powerful statement. Elisha's telling Elijah with this statement, until you finish your race, I'm going to be with you. And even after that, I'm going to further the work. Because Elisha, if you read on Elijah's story, he asks him, am I going to be the next? Because he, he wants to further the work of God. Follow me here. So like I said, I, when I was reading this, I began to liken Pastor Alva Hill to Elisha. She said those very words to Pastor Hill in her heart. As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, 
I will not leave thee. Let me tell you what that means. Leave me. I will follow you as you follow Christ. This is the attitude that one should have for the office of pastor and the person in that office. Uh, this is the attitude she had for her pastor. Now, let's jump to 2 Kings chapter 4. Just a, page, a couple pages over. <clears throat> I will follow you as you follow Christ. <clears throat> I will not leave you or the vision God has placed me under. I am rooted and grounded in my faith. I will not be moved. Second Kings, verse 4. So I'm going to tell you, I want, to, I want you to see the progression of this heart. This heart that Elijah had for, Elisha had for Elijah. I want you to see the progression of this heart. And really I say this for Elijah, but it's for the things of God. But let's watch the progression of this. Second Kings chapter 4, and I'm going to go to verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed, passed to Shunem. There was a great woman. Well, it was a great woman. And she, was, she, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by... I'm sorry which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall, shall turn in thither. Now, I'm, I have to stop here, because I'm going to get to another point, but I have to stop here. The woman perceived that Elisha was a man of God. And she immediately honored him. She and her husband made a room for him in their house. They made provision for him in their house. Making provision for the vision and the visionary is how you honor your pastor. Have you laid out the bed for him in your heart? Have you made a chamber for him in your heart? And it's interesting, because I'm just going to skip down to another verse, and then I'm going to go back and read the rest. Let's see, what verse is that? Verse 30, this same woman is telling uh, Elisha, and the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee. Very interesting. That same phrase that Elisha was saying to Elijah, now somebody's saying that to him. But let's see how we got there. So I was at verse 10. Yes, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on the day that he came thither, and turned into the chamber, and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elijah had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. So she took him to the bed that Elisha, that she had made a room for Elisha. And laid him on the, man of God, on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass, 
and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came into the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to, Ge- to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is, the Sh- is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And she answered, It is well. <laughs> and when she came to the man of God, to the <laughs> I'm sorry. She said, it is, I have to stop there. She says, It is well, because she knows this is a man of God. <laughs> this shows... What it takes for embracing your your pastor, like I said earlier, it takes faith. Her son is dead. She took him and laid him on the bed of the man of God. As she approached, they asked, is it well? She told him, tell him it's well. Let me tell you, that's faith. Let me keep reading. Let me keep reading. Then, I'm sorry, and when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said, Gehazi, gird up thy loins, take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not, and if any salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, Is the Lord living? And as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. See, that, that's a speaking to her faith right there. She knew it. She said, Oh. Because, mind you, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord, it didn't live on, it came upon people in the Old Testament. So she knew the Spirit of, of, of God is on that person. So, as he leads, I'm going to follow. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him, wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awake. And when Elijah was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. See, and that's supposed to mean it of itself, right? The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. But don't try to put yourself in that office. It took Elisha coming. I want you to know that. It took Elisha coming here. Here we go. 33. He went in therefore and shut the door upon upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord on their behalf. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Mm. My goodness. <laughs> Who in this room can relate? Listen. I've witnessed this very thing over our ministry in this last year. Those who have honored our pastor, who've who've made the room for them in their hearts, made provision for them, entrusted their children to our leadership. She's taken the children. She's laid upon them. She's put her mouth in their mouths, her eyes on their eyes. And I've seen them sneeze seven times and get up and put their hands to the work. (laughs) That's what she's done. Oh, I've seen it this year. I've seen people that I'm like, they're putting their hands to the work. And it's been so long. And it's been time. And God said, oh, it's wall building time and I know just the one for it. Bringing our children back from the dead. Well, we thought, man, there's no hope. I don't know what's going on. But with God, all things are possible. He brought them back from the dead. I've seen it in this very ministry. Ones that wouldn't, not, not couldn't, wouldn't put their hands to the ministry. But God's chosen.
I've seen him sneeze seven times and get up and walk around here with the fire of God in him. Honor has to be given to our pastor. It's been her mandate to restore this generation. And I've seen more of, our gener- of this next generation putting their hands to the work than ever. That's how I know it's God's, it's God's mandate. Because God's given all the tools to get it done. I've, in this ministry this year, I've seen the blind see. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen the dumb talk. I've seen the dead rise. Walk in the newest in the newness of life. Under our shepherd that's following Christ. So how do we make provision for our pastor in our hearts? How do we tell her? As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave you. Number one is respect. When you respect her, you will make provision for her in your heart. Call her pastor and protect that office of pastor. Never allow anyone to talk about your pastor to you. Talk down on your pastor to you. Command respect for your pastor. If you have questions, like we've been learning this month, take it to God. He has the answer for you. He won't leave you wanting. Take it to God. Anything else is not the action of a sheep. That's not the action of somebody that wants to receive. That's not the action of somebody that wants to become fruitful. Uh, you know, these are they that hear the word and become, it falls on good ground. They receive it and become fruitful. Respect the gift that God has given from his heart. Don't allow anybody else to disrespect. If you hear it around you, you need to check it. If you hear it tickling your ears, I'm going to let that go. No, you need to check it. And I'm talking to the ones specifically in this room because these are the ones that are, are really into embracing. That's why y'all came back. So this is here for you. Check it. God is saying some of you in here has heard some people disrespectful. Check it. How else do you make provision for your pastor? It's been said this month already as well. Pray for your pastor. On a continual basis. Pray for her wisdom and her discernment. Pray for her protection. Pray, her, pray for her family. Instead of talking to other people about what you think or don't like or about what the pastor is doing, pray. Uh, God answers prayers. Pray. Get rid of your complaints. You, you, you'll, never get your, you'll never get your issues addressed if you don't pray. Uh, but pray for your pastor. I didn't say go to God complaining. You, what you're doing is you're going to God complaining about the working of His mighty power. I didn't say go to God complaining. If you have a question, go to God. Don't complain about the gift He's giving you freely. Don't complain about His grace. Oh, you don't want grace? Don't come complaining. Pray for your past. Always lift them up. That's the maturity I was talking about that's needed. A lot of people say they pray for your past. Pray for her. Pray for your pastor. Refrain from allowing your tongue to dishonor your gift. 
and just pray. Dishonoring the gift of God is dishonoring God. You got to equate these things. You got to get these things in your mind because you think you're coming against. I'm just no. I'm coming against. That's, that's just them and that and that building over there. No, you're coming against God and His order. Prayer is a part of your honor. How else do we make provisions for Him in our heart? How do we make that chamber for Him in our heart? How do we say, as thy soul, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee? You put your hands to the work. <laughs> she cannot do it alone. Uh, but hallelujah, we are not alone. Let's turn to Second Timothy. Chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 19 through 22. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man purge, therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. See, you do your pastor the truest form of honor when you meet for the master's use. That's the truest form of honor. That's what all their their laboring and service is for. To make you meet for the master's use. That's the truest form of honor. And I could stay there for a while, but time will not permit. So I'm going to go into the next. How do you make provision? And you, you already knew I was going to get here. Financial compensation. It's so interesting to me that pastor's compensation went into effect two years ago. And my father only got to see the benefit of that. Actually, he didn't get to see the benefit of it. Hmm. It's only right that those who've given their lives to preach and teach God's word get to eat of that and that's scriptural turn to 1 Corinthians First Corinthians chapter nine and I'm going to read verse seven through ten. Who goeth the warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth the vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth the flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, that thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Does God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for, his, for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. That he that ploweth should plow in hope. And he that, he that thresheth in hope should be a partaker of his hope. 
as you see in verse 7, the farmer and the shepherd is supposed to be supported by their work. And that depends on the sheep. We're talking about all the things that our pastor has done through Christ this past year. And we're talking about seeing people putting their hands to the work. Seeing people putting their hands to the things, the things that are eternal. Seeing people being raised. Like I said, the blind been able to see, the lame been able to walk. It's only right that she's able to eat from that. Uh, it's only, let me clear this up for you so you don't think I'm just talking about my mother. It's only right that any, guy, any gift that God has placed in that office to eat from that. See, those tears are not just for my father who didn't get to eat from it, but there's a lot of pastors that do not get to eat from that because the church is out of order. You haven't made provision for your pastor or that office in your heart. There's a lack of respect. There's a lack of reverence for the things of God and His order. And that's just the thing about it. You think, oh, if we give her this, they're going to do this, this, and that. Let me tell you the heart of the pastor. I'm going to tell you the heart of my father, the heart of my mother. When they did, because I'm going to tell you this as well. My father was not a silly man when it came to money. He was a smart man. A lot of his money that he has or had when he was here, he made sure that he had it and didn't depend on getting it from this place. He had a family that he he wasn't going to depend on. He didn't even get to see part of pastor compensa- any of pastor compensation. He had to make it happen for his family. But let me tell you something about the heart of Pastor Albert Hill. If you worried about her getting too much, if she thought, she, even if she didn't think she had a little, a little too much, because this is the way she is now, whatever she has, it comes right back through this ministry. That's what you don't understand. If you could only see the little things <laughs> when we're not able to do all our part and meet things, just go to my account and finish it off. Why? Because it's for the betterment of this ministry. It's to further God's vision. And if they don't see it, I see it. So I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> Let me tell you like this. Your money is probably in better hands in her hands than in the banks. She's a faithful steward. You give her, she's like the the, the pearl in the Bible. You give her some, she's gonna come back with that and some. Uh, that's why God put her in the position she's in. Because another role of the pastor is to is to get more sheep too. Uh, when I say that, I mean through you though, <laughs> making you meet for the use. Yeah, exactly. Sheep begat sheep. The God-given right in honor for our pastors receive support from the gospel. <laughs> There's many swindlers out there, people just giving money to call himself pastor. And we have the working of his mighty power in our midst. It should be nothing for us to compensate her correctly. It shouldn't be an issue of we having another meeting about pastor's compensation. Yeah, you know why? Because as a congregation we need to be reminded. Uh, somebody should have been reminding us for the 30 some odd years we've been in ministry already. So yeah, we need to have quarterly meetings. Yeah, we do. Because we still haven't been faithful to it. Not as a ministry. But we're saying, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will follow you. Uh, How are you going to follow somebody that's not taken care of? Uh, Let me say something. God's got her. She doesn't need anything from you, but it's it's right honor. 
I'm trying to tell you so this, this type of honor benefits you. It's God's order. And so, I said I was going to address the gender issue as well. Because we need to embrace our pastor. So with the time I have left, that's what I'm going to spend it on. So, I want to start by saying this. The issues that spring forth from her gender all have to do with your own personal faith. I say this because the evidence of God's mighty work and power is all around us. I know He's with us because I see the spring forth. And if you don't see it, there's an issue with your faith. Sound like the scribes and the Pharisees with the evidence all around them. Too stubborn and too immature to believe by faith. Let me say this. If you can't learn from a woman, men I'm talking to specifically now, and women who can't, but if you can't learn from a woman, man, then you can't learn to be a man. Oh, it's interesting, right? Because male and female created he, them, and he told them to pass it on. That's God's purpose. That's God's method. It's through the family, remember? Oh, oh we can tie it into family life now, too. Because the family is a, is a believing male and a believing female. They have to produce and raise a godly seed. Uh, Christ was brought to you by a virgin woman. God sees it fit to use a woman to bring Christ to you. Hmm. Oh, he could have brought it in. He could have, Christ could have been brought any way God wanted him to. We can't, we can't put any limits on God. He could be brought any way he wanted him to. This is why I love God. He's so intentional with us. So intentional. He said, you need to see the working of my mighty power this, this, this dispensation. You, you need a woman pastor. Some of y'all in this is going to help you mature. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. That's what takes mature thinking. Sometimes mature thinking is, I don't know what I'm talking about. You darn too. <laughs> Leave it to God. Hmm. Answer me this. Has the word been true? That should confirm it for you. Has it been powerful? Has it been life-changing? Then everything you're talking about gender is just a distraction. Does his word remain true? Is it producing life in your life? <laughs> then we need to stop looking at the package. I said it this morning. A lot of us was looking at the package with our founding pastor. That's a problem and you dragged it into this dispensation. It's no longer the past the, the package that you that you can that you can you can muscle, you can muscle, you can take down. It's it's palatable for you. Because you weren't looking to Christ. Like I said, it's really not a problem with a gender. You're not looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Because that's what it that's what it takes. Faith. The, 
It doesn't matter who the next pastor is. If Jesus is not, not at the center, there's going to always be a, uh, an issue. Always. And then it's just your excuse because you don't want to line up. You don't want to be sheep of his pasture. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about this, and this may help some of you who are looking to our founding pastor instead of Christ. I said earlier, my mother knew my father longer than anybody else in this world. Everything he learned of the word, he shared with her firsthand. In my opinion, she's one of the best resources to go to on being a man. <laughs> on being a man God has called you to be. She was married to our founding pastor. And I, I'm going to tell you this, and I, it may just be because I'm his son, but that man there, Pastor Forrest P. Hill Jr., my founding pastor, I haven't seen anybody like him save Jesus Christ. I have, that's, listen, that, he was an example. And Pastor Alvin Hill has taken on that mantle. So why not learn from somebody who was around that end sample her whole life? Who's been a faithful steward of his vision? That's God's method. She learned firsthand what a true man of God should be. Any, any wisdom on how to be a man of God from her is a gem straight from God. Spring forth from his gift. It's, it's a mighty working of his power. This is what I'm going to end with. Let me share something with you. I'm going to read a quote for you. Okay. The quote begins, Psalms 127 through 128. The presence of God. The man should make there I'm sorry should make sure there is God's presence in his home. A man should control the supernatural temperature of the house. Men are the pillars of their house. One way you retain the presence in your home as a man, keep your wife happy, because she can send the presence away. Any man that is happy while the wife is sad is sick. You don't ignore your wife's pain. The wife made Adam to leave the presence because Adam neglected her for a moment and it gave the devil a footprint to deceive her. A man is a pastor of his home. A woman is assistant pastor and the children are the members. The only difference is there's no collection of offering. <laughs> a woman should not be suspicious about her husband. She should trust him. If you want to accuse your husband about something, think it through, because you will be breaking your home with your hand, breaking your home with your two hands, and that is foolishness. Your wife is closer to you more than your sister, your mother, because you can't marry your sister, neither can you marry your mother. Your wife should come second after God, and as a wife, your husband should come second after God too, not to your relatives. Do not allow family members to chase God's presence away from your home. And let me, let me close the quote. God's general on assignment. Now this is a quote from Pastor Alvin Hill on Facebook. And let me, let me cue you in on this as well. That was part one, I think, of part of six. She had six things dealing with the man and the woman and the wife. Just that little snippet of wisdom alone should tell you she could teach a man. Just that little gem alone could get some people's houses straight. And while I'm on it, I tell you this: if you, you know, if you're not on Facebook, because this is what this was on, and she put it in our communion cafe, make you a dummy account. Don't put no information on there. There's some snippets that Pastor Hill puts out there, and I'm just like, my goodness, everybody needs to hear this. And she posted in the Communion Cafe, you know, C-O-L-W Communion Cafe. If you're not on there, get on there just simply for those things. 
Because I'm telling you, I could be in the midst of thinking something that happened with me and my wife, and I come across that, and I'm just like, ugh. Whew. There's that, there's that hook. Get on back over. There's that hook. There it is, right there. I'm like, oh. But that's what pastor's for. That's the heart of the pastor. So deal with your issues. Deal with it, I'm telling you. Because, let me tell you, that type of word mixed with faith, and I promise you, your marriage, your husbands, your wife, husbands and wives, you're going to start lining up. And get out there and get that other part two, three, four, five, and six, because my goodness, this was on point. This was all meditating on Psalm, just from meditating on Psalm 127 and 128. And she has probably about three or four Sundays worth of notes. Part one, part two, part three. Life-changing things. Always concerned with the... I'm telling you. If she's not studying, if she's not, if she's not praying or dealing with the children or anything, it's all about the flock. She's forever posting something on, 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 on the, the COLW Communion Cafe. Sending messages. Sending emails. It's all about the Word. I, you can almost see the map timeline of her day if you're on a COLW Cafe. You see this hour, she posts something. Oh, by the way, she posts something. And it's all about the God's Word. She spends the majority of her time with God and His Word. Our behalf. So that we have direction. So that we don't go wanting. Our job is to embrace that. Who wouldn't want to embrace that? But you can't see that because of your lack of faith. You have everything else getting in the way of your faith, thinking, oh, she's doing this, this, and that for her benefit. She's doing this, this, and that. No. God's gifts and callings are without repentance. He knows who He's called. He knows who he's graced for that office. He knows who he's put in that office. He knows that his sheep's lives are in her hands. You have to believe that by faith. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.